Hi there, my name is Anna Michelle Gomu and you are listening to the podcast where we take our time to seek God in His Word each day. We're currently on a Bible in your challenge reading through the entire Bible in 365 days from Genesis to Revelations. And I'm glad you decided to join us today because it's gonna be great. Thank you for tuning in. Please stay listening. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today is day 168 of our Bible in Year challenge, and we are continuing on our journey, taking readings from the books of 1 Kings, 2 Chronicles, as well as the Songs of Solomon. So in today's readings, we see how far the leaders and the people of both Israel and Judah have fallen. Like All of the leaders that are mentioned in today's readings were all evil and bad. So first of all, in First Kings, we're looking at King Ahab in the north and his wife, Jezebel. I mean, for all we know, currently, Jezebel has a very bad meaning behind it for some reason, because in her time, she was the brains behind all of the evil that was happening, all of the bad that was going on in the northern part of Israel with her husband, King Ahab. So today, they have this horrible experience with Naboth, a man who has a vineyard. And King Ahab tells Naboth that he wants his vineyard for probably money in exchange or maybe another better vineyard. And that that begs the question, like, why was this particular vineyard so appealing to Ahab? I mean, he was a king. He could have any other land. He could have any other um, property that he wanted to have. But he wanted that of Naboth. And Naboth, on his part, was reluctant to sell his land, not because he wanted to cause any trouble or not because the offer King Ahab was given wasn't appealing. But when we look at the Old Testament, we see that the land or a land belonging to a person wasn't entirely um, the person's own. It belonged to the family, right? When the Israelites came into the promised land, the lands were divided based on tribes, based on clans, and based on family. And so a person who was in charge of the land was just temporarily um, a tenant, per se. He wasn't in charge as an ownership of the land that he could sell and give it out whenever he pleased. It belonged to the family, and it would be passed down from generations to generations. And that was how things were done. And when we look at that in that context, we understand why Naboth was not willing to give out the land, probably for a better land elsewhere or even for more money. And so when he said this to King Ahab, he was sulking. He was acting like a child, not eating any food, um, probably in a moody state. And Jezebel, his wife, noticed this. And Jezebel decides to do something about it. And so she sends a note to the nobles and the elders that live around the vicinity of Naboth and how they should lay false accusations upon him and kill him eventually. And everything happened the way Jezebel wrote that it should happen. And as much as we can say, I mean, King Ahab and Jezebel were like the brains behind all of this. They were evil. They killed the both um, for no reason. We cannot help but see the hand of others in this. I mean, none of this would have been able to happen if the elders and the nobles did not do as they were told by Jezebel. And one thing you can take from this is that evil only exists or evil thrives where good people refuse to do something about it evil grows where good people are indifferent about it 
I mean, it's not just as much as say as I'm not an evil person or I didn't do this, I didn't have a hand in it, but it it is also um a way of asking, have I been indifferent? Have I chose to not do something at times when I should have done something? Have I chose to not say something at times when I should have said something? As Christians, we have to realize that our actions, our voices, the way we live our lives has a huge impact on the people around us, on the people that live around us, on the situation that we find ourselves. And so we have to realize that God has given us such a gift that we cannot keep hidden. We have such a story, such a testimony that we cannot afford to keep to ourselves. And so we're taught today by this story, if anything, first of all, to not comply with evil and also to not be indifferent about the evil going on in our surroundings, in our environment. We have to voice out. We have to state our position on certain topics and on certain issues that confronts us every single day. Anyways, the elders and the nobles, in my sense, they do not um they do not deserve that title as nobles because they did not act nobly, because they went ahead, accused Naboth of the false accusations and killed him. And so King Ahab acquires the bot's land. And Elijah comes to inform him, as usual, Elijah, the prophet of God, the mouthpiece of God, does not remain indifferent, does not stay silent. He comes and voices out the pronouncements of God on King Ahab, which is that he's going to die, his wife is going to die, Jezebel is going to die, his entire family is going to be wiped out in such a horrible way. But then we see that later on after King Ahab hears this, he turns away, he is repentant, he is humble. And God sees this and says that, okay, since King Ahab has acted so humbly, all of these things will not happen in his time, but in his son's time. Two things we can take from this is that, first of all, God is merciful. God is merciful. He tells us that nobody can fathom or can imagine or can explain or can see the depth of his mercy. And that should give us hope. I mean, if King Ahab, after all the evil and bad he did, can still be forgiven when he turns repentant, how much more about us? It is not that we should continue in our sin because we know God is always going to be merciful and always going to forgive us. No. But that even when we sin, even when we are weak, even when we turn back to our addictions, we have hope that God's mercy and grace is strong enough to help us overcome that, is strong enough to pull us through, is strong enough to prevent the consequences of our actions from meeting us. And then we look at what is going on in the South. It is not getting any better. I mean, we read King Jehoshaphat, who was a great king. He had some weaknesses. He had some faults. But overall, he was a good king because he did what was right by God and he led people to God. And then he dies and his son, Jehoram, takes over him. And <laughs> things start happening almost immediately. Jehoram becomes king. He immediately kills all of his brothers, even though none of them really... Um, offered any threat or opposition to his authority. He kills all of his brothers and he marries the daughter of King Ahab. I think one thing we always keep on seeing over and over again is the importance or the significance of who we marry on our actions, on, on our way of life. I mean, it happened with King Solomon. 
It happened with King Ahab. Now it's happening with King Jehoram. His wife is a daughter of Ahab, and so he begins to rule like Ahab. He is evil like Ahab. He does so much evil. He leads the people of Judah into the worship of idols, and he sets up so many high places for these idols and these gods to be worshipped. And we can learn from this because the Bible tells us that um, we should be wary of the people we surround ourselves with. We should be careful of the people we choose to interact with, of the people we live with, because bad morals corrupt good characters. Bad people corrupt. I really don't know how that goes <laughs> entirely, but something along the lines of bad character, bad people, bad company corrupts good morals, which is so true. This is not to say that we should cancel people that are not in our faith or cancel people around us because, I mean, if we cancel everybody, how can we lead people to God? But it is that we should be careful both about who we choose to enter a relationship with, be it romantic relationship or even filial relationship, both in how we choose our friends, both in how we choose the kind of company we keep, because this all goes to saying how far we are in our relationship with God. The people that move with us on this journey have a high impact on who we are as Christians and as people of God. So that is just a quick side note. Another side note is that after Jehoram dies, because, I mean, after all of his evil deeds, he dies in a horrible way because of God's punishment, his son comes in, Ahaziah, and he is not any better. Ahaziah is not any better. Ahaziah actually enters the throne and he has children. He does evil. He does so much evil, just like his father. And his mother is also the daughter of King Ahab. And so his mother, Ataliah, advises him so badly. She is literally giving him all of the advice um, while he's ruling. And he also does evil. He does so many evil, leads people into worship of idols, leads um, the Israelites who leads the people of Judah into serving all of the other gods literally um, is not any different from his father and then he dies and an amazing thing happens is that his mother Queen Ataliah after her son dies kills every single member of the royal family so that she can rule she kills everyone <laughs> everyone is dead literally her grandchildren the uncles the aunties she kills everyone so that she can reign and now this woman is the daughter of King Ahab. So you best believe how she's going to rule the people of Judah. She is evil. She is wicked. I mean, for her to kill her family members, yeah, that just shows us how far she's going to go. But we are told that somebody steals away Joash, the youngest son of King Ahaziah, and takes him away and hides him. And we can see from this how there are so many threats and oppositions to the promise of God being fulfilled. I mean, for all we know, this should have been the end of the family line of King David because not only are they evil, but they do not obey God. They have broken the promises and covenants so many times. This should have been the perfect opportunity for God to transfer the kingship and the royalty from the house of David to another family. But we see that God does not go back on his word. He is so faithful to his promises that regardless of how much we do not keep our sight of the covenants, regardless of how much we are falling, regardless of how much we turn away, he is still faithful 
to his promises. And he always keeps on making a way. Like even while King Atara was busy killing everybody, he made a way for Joash to be hidden. And Joash would obviously continue the family line of King David, thereby fulfilling the promise that the royal household will never depart from the house of King David. And we're going to be seeing this so many times that God still remains faithful to his covenant. Even when in the north, the royalty is passed from one family to another. In the south, it always remains true to the line of King David. And it is so amazing. Anyways, tomorrow we're going to be seeing what happens with Joash when he grows up and Queen Ataraya. And now nah, I don't want to give any spoilers, but you have to tune in tomorrow to see all of that or you can read tomorrow tomorrow's readers today anyways i hope you come in tomorrow same time same place on this podcast please do not forget to share leave a review and subscribe if you haven't and i hope that you remain blessed and you have a wonderful day